my goodness, I mean, I could, I could go on for hours. I mean, we're seeing everything from our shopping centers continuing, the best shopping centers continue to perform well. They could yeah. continue to um, see investment from their landlords, and they're starting to enter the, sorry, they're starting to add these entertainment components. So, yeah, like entertainment centers. Uh, Cirque du Soleil is going to be opening at Vaughan Mills in suburban Toronto. Something big is going to happen at Yorkdale, I can't say yet, but it's really good. It's going to be pretty cool to be a first-in-the-world experience center. Happy Mother's Day, guys. It's me, Joshua Bennett, on the Gears and Grinds podcast. I'd like to welcome you to the conclusion of our three-part series, of our four-part series, actually, on um, retail. Today on the podcast, I have Craig Patterson. Craig Patterson is the editor-in-chief of Retail Insider Canada. And what they mainly do is they mainly look at... um, uh, retail trends and up-and-comers and and even the more established groups in Canada and how they do retail. All right, let's jump right in. Welcome to the Gears and Grinds podcast, the number one podcast for entrepreneurship and car culture, featuring the best and up-and-coming entrepreneurial and automotive talent from around the world with your host, Joshua Bennett. Um, okay, so we're just going to jump right in then. All right. All right, so I have on with me today for the Gears and Grinds podcast, I have uh, Craig Patterson. Uh, Craig, do you mind uh, just giving us a little bit, of, a little bit more of your background and, and a little bit more of a bio about yourself and, and how you kind of got into the retail industry? Oh, yes, and thank you for having me on the show. Uh, yes, no I am an editor-in-chief of Canada's largest retail industry publication called Retail Insider. I started it about seven years ago, and it was just meant to be sort of a hobby blog more than anything, but it kind mm-hmm. of exploded to become a uh, major news source, you know, which is, I guess, flattering. And uh, from there, I uh, ended up uh, doing some work, uh, as well as doing Retail Insider, of course. All of this is uh, not one after the other. It's all the same time. I became uh, a director of research at the University of Alberta and moved to Edmonton wow. and then um, moved into Toronto and also started working uh, as a consultant with Retail Council of Canada. And now I've got my own uh, consulting firm. Uh, we do a lot of marketing for clients, uh, still have Retail Insider as a publication. And then uh, we're spinning off some other uh, business uh, uh, endeavors, including uh, starting um, possibly a school for uh, the realm of luxury retail in Canada. So we'll see. We've got wow. a few different things on the go. So, 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 okay, so I, 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 I'm a little bit interested in, in, in the school for luxury retail. Like, like, like what, like what would that look like? I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of curious. Oh, yeah, and that's really um, sort of high-level uh, initial talks. Basically, we're looking at uh, um, luxury retail. Very often, a lot of the training is on the job. So you start a job with, say, Harry Rosen. And Harry Rosen might not be the best example because they have their own internal training. That's amazing. Yeah. So. But, uh, you know, say an individual wanted to work for, you know, a Valentino or a Bottega Veneta, they may not necessarily have that experience, or perhaps they've worked in a um, retailer that wouldn't be considered luxury. So having some sort of a certification and experience and even just comfort, I think, would uh, uh, make sense in terms of having some sort of, uh, you know, something that's benchmarkable or at least something that would be... uh, um, you know, I guess usable and, and maybe even accreditable. So, uh, you know, if a company says, well, this person, you know, has done this course in luxury retail, they might, uh, you know, have a leg up on, say, getting a job, and the individual might just feel comfortable having that job, perhaps, because this is certainly you have to act uh, <laughs> when, yeah. when dealing with luxury yeah. clients, or at least traditionally yeah. there has been. 
wow that, that that's that's something very very different I've, I've actually never i've actually i've actually applied to harry rosen in the past mm-hmm. and um um and, and and like you said, they they actually do have their own in, internal training because a lot a, a lot of these retailers do, right? Yeah. And 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 I and I I, I think I, th- I think where your idea is going, I really like it because because simply because like like for example, somebody who's in high school, right, can go and be like, hey, be like, hey, I I I I I, I don't necessarily want to go to to college or university right now, so why don't I go and and put and work and then put some money into into this into the school right so i can at least have at least some sort of certification to go off of and use that to to, to kind of help me get started in the retail industry if i decide to pursue it um put in a post-secondary setting absolutely and i mean some retail jobs can actually pay a lot of money i know that you know Retail is known for, you know, it's minimum wage jobs, but there are a couple of people in Vancouver who are literally making over a million dollars a year at Holt Renfrew working in the personal shopping suites. So, you know, they're at a 10% commission base and they're pulling in, you know, they're selling more than $10 million of product in a year. So their take home is about a million dollars, which is pretty shocking. So, you know, I mean, that's few and far between in terms of you don't have everyone making that type of money by any means, but nevertheless, the numbers are quite shocking. And, uh, and furthermore, you know, it's not even luxury, but, you know, running a um, large Walmart uh, big box store pays well into the six figures, sometimes over $200,000 a year. Depending on the vendors and that type of thing, right? What's what's being sold and what's? Uh, yeah, I think depending on the size, actually. But yeah. uh, I'm not actually 100 percent sure. So I, I've never had a job at Walmart. So. <laughs> okay, so all right, so, so you actually wanted to cover um, um, the influx of international retailers into a market, so like so, for example, the Canadian market, and, and the effects that it has on the, on the landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, can you I mean, can you just can you just dive in a little bit more into 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 kind of um, um, what 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 does that all mean and 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 kind of break it down for for for, for sorry for me and for my listeners as well. Yeah, absolutely. So what's really interesting is I've been tracking the re- international retailers that are coming into Canada by opening their first stores, and I've done that for about four years now. Actually, I think it's closer to five, and because we've done four reports and. What I've done, I mean, and we try to keep track, you know, and we were actually probably getting most of them, uh, how many have come in. So for, uh, I think it was 2000, and uh, I just have to get my years right here for a sec, uh, 17, 16, so yeah, so for 2014, 15, and 16, we saw, like, you know, between 20 and 24 international retailers uh, come into Canada by opening stores, and they're, the, you know, your typical, you know, J. Crew, um, uh, you know, Apple, I guess at one time was one of those. That would have been, I think, in 2003, I think it was at Yorkdale. But, uh, you know, we've always yeah. seen these coming in. And then we saw this incredible spike in 2017 where more than 50 international retailers came into the Canadian market. And I think that's remarkable because, you know, already there are retailers that are, you know, in the country that are struggling. And this is just more competition for them. And we're not seeing the market expand nearly as quickly as the number of retailers coming in. So in 2018, that was last year, we saw about 30 come in. And now I'm seeing this spike again where I don't know if we're going to hit 50 this year, but we're certainly hitting a lot. I think we're going to well surpass 30. Wow. And and and, and that and, and that could be a... a, a a byproduct of, of how many immigrants are coming into the country now, and 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 really, um, and and the prime minister has actually really opened the doors for immigrants to come in. Uh, in particular, uh, t- Toronto is actually a sanctuary city. Oh, yeah. 
so um, so if you so 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 basically, so basically if you're if you're coming from abroad then then what you do is you is you start in start in Toronto or start in Montreal or start in Vancouver and, and then you then you branch out right sort of yeah and um, I'm not sure, I mean immigration would have something to do with it in terms of um, some of yeah. the especially the you know bubble tea and ramen restaurants you see coming in very often it's family members mm-hmm. of locals that are bringing that over or they had those connections but I think that the real mm-hmm. reason um, Canada's seen all these international retailers coming in is you know the market was somewhat underserved and then brokerages started uh, pointing out you know in reports. Uh, and, uh, you know, that Canada would be a good target market. They looked at the incomes and the population growth and said, well, this is a place where more brands can come. And then we've actually got brokers and landlords who are uh, um, going, like, literally traveling around the world looking for the next coolest brand and bringing it to Canada. So, you know, Reformation of the United States is about to announce their first store. I can't say where, but uh, you know, we've got all these really interesting retailers that are coming in. Innisfree out of Korea, they're a beauty brand. Uh, they're going to announce their first store pretty soon. And... Uh, it's, you know, I think it's really fascinating, you know, but uh, at the same time, you know, for example, say with fashion, where does Le Chateau stand at the end of this? I mean, I don't know how much time it has left, but that brand, you know, is a, it's a Canadian brand uh, uh, based out of Montreal, and, you know, it continues to lose money, and, uh, you know, I think Zara would definitely be one of its biggest competitors right now, and Zara does very well in Canada. Yeah. Uh, they, they, uh, Zara, Zara actually does make make really really good product as well and 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 it's 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 something, it's something a little bit different right it's quite urban i mean i do um, buy pieces from zara as well yeah. I, I cross shop but definitely uh, you know i've got pieces in my wardrobe just because they make stuff that you know it'll look like prada and you know a few other brands but you know the yeah. prices will you know it's, it's sort of more disposable fashion for better or for worse and in some cases for worse right Right, and 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 it also it, it it also brings it also brings down um, the price, right? So, like for example, if you if 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 you want to buy if you want to buy something that looks like Gucci, but but then but then, you, but then you don't have the money to actually go in and and, and get these other products or a lot of these higher end products, right? Then you can probably shop around at Zara or or um, Hot Run a few and see if you can get them at a deal or at a reduced price. So it'll look it'll look almost exactly the same, but it won't have the it won't it won't, it won't have it won't have the name brand attached to it or as or as exclusive as a name brand. I'll just say. Yeah, I mean it's sort of democratizing fashion and it's democratizing certain styles that we're seeing. I think right now, which you know the seventies have sort of come back, or at least Gucci has. Uh, uh, kind of put that forth as a style, and we're seeing other brands doing interesting uh, things as well. I don't even know what the style is these days, where there's a real mishmash of the past, and I'm not really a style expert, but um, nevertheless, you know, re- brands like, uh, you know, Zara have really, I think, been able to elevate how people dress in different cities, and, um, you know, you noticed that. I noticed, strangely enough, uh, in Edmonton that the city became better dressed when La Maison Simons came into the city because, you know, Simons is like, you know, a 130,000 square foot store that carries all kinds of different fashion. Mm-hmm. Some of it's quite edgy and I think it educated the city in terms of, uh, you know, people realize that there's more fashion beyond Mark's work warehouse, I guess you would say. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that, that's so, true. you know, and at the same yeah. time, you know, relatively affordable. I mean, not everything at Simons is affordable. They literally have, you know, designer items that are in the thousands of dollars, but, you know, they also will have, you know, trousers for $50 or under. So it, it really does vary. And, mm-hmm. uh, so we've got availability every price level, but we're still seeing uh, in retail right now, we're seeing a real movement, uh, I guess, and a real success in the area of luxury retail in Canada. Um, and some luxury stores in Canada are doing astronomically high numbers. And at the low end, we're seeing 
you know, value priced retailers like Winners doing really well and they're continuing to expand. Winners, Marshalls, HomeSense, so the TJX group of uh, retailers. However, in the middle, like the Le Chateaus, you know, I think there's a little more of a struggle there because people can shop low. They can go to Forever 21 for their fashions and they may, you know, go to Celine and get a bag probably at Holt Redford. I I, I I just I, I kind of just want to dive in a little bit more because because uh, in the past couple of months uh, Payless has actually has actually gone out of business mm-hmm. and they had they had a huge market when I was growing up they had an absolutely huge market especially especially in the discount um, in the discount yeah. shoes um, they had a huge market and then and and, and then I, I was doing a little bit of research and I found out that. That um that because they, they weren't able to actually convert their online to offline sales, um that's I mean and that and that's one of the reasons why they, they they weren't able to keep up, and then you also have and then you also have like for example, um StockX a, a lot of these a, a, a lot of these online platforms that are actually reselling different types of shoes so like for example if you if you need to get if you need to get some Jordans. And you don't want to pay, and you don't want to go and and um and actually, um and actually go on Kijiji, for example, and pay someone. Then what you do is you just go on StockX, and then you're able to actually choose from from the, especially from the best quality shoe, and then you're able to make and you, you, you're able to make a, a better informed decision, right? And um and also, um shoe uh shoe uh, resellers are actually starting to, starting to become a billion dollar business. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. We are going to see a lot more of that. I know there's some actual retailers. One yeah. just opened in Toronto that consigns uh, unique shoes, and I think we'll be seeing more of that. In the case of Payless, I just think that the product was terrible and the stores were boring. I mean, it was not yeah. a strong retailer in the end, and I'm surprised that it lasted as long as it did. You know, not to bash Payless, yeah. but you know, they did that uh, ad campaign where they set up a fake luxury store in Los Angeles and had these influencers come in and, you know, these influencers uh, were led to believe these shoes sometimes were over $600 a pair when, uh, you know, in fact, they were in the, you know, 20 to 30 or $40 range, perhaps. So yeah. uh, those would be in U.S. dollars. But, uh, you know, I, I tried to replicate that experiment in my mind uh, right after I saw that I went to a local Payless store because I live near one in downtown Toronto. And um, I just thought, my God, you know, I wouldn't wear a pair of shoes that I saw in the store if you gave them to me. So uh, I don't yeah. know, you know, what on earth was going on. Maybe the American selection was a little bit different. but And maybe the f- women's selection is different. I can't comment because I don't buy women's shoes. So... You know, maybe they're better. I think my sister, you know, about 20 years ago used to buy Payless shoes, so maybe they're okay. I have no idea. But nevertheless, you know, you've got these kind of plastic shoes that, uh, you know, I didn't think were were that great. And then you've got these retail environments where you go in, and I just thought, my God, why, you know, this is not a place I want to be. Because if you can buy something online, you know, people quite often are going to do that. And uh, a store now has to differentiate itself because it can't, you know, survive on convenience. The only convenience a Payless store would have would be you could, you know, pick up the pair of shoes and put it on right there and and maybe not walk out of the store. But you know what I mean, or you get that immediate gratification. But, you know, Amazon now is launching, you know, one day day delivery for Prime in the United States. I'm sure it'll come to Canada. So uh, a lot of competition out there and a lot of disruption. Yeah, and and, and 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 also and also um, uh, speaking of which, um, both b- b- sorry, both Amazon and Alibaba are are actually opening up um, f- brick and mortar stores to really understand their customers as well to actually to actually be able to to actually identify what the customers want to buy online and what they want to buy offline, and then trying to serve and trying to find that that sweet spot. Mm-hmm. 
and then offering both at both ends. So then that will actually help them help them actually understand their customers even better. Um, so, 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 so like for example, if I wanted to buy, if I wanted to buy, uh, let's say a watch, mm-hmm. right. Then what would happen is they would, they would actually, they would actually have the watch stocked online. Mm-hmm. But if, but, but, but if, but, but if, it, if, if it actually hit Amazon picks, then, then it would, it would actually be, it would, it would actually be stored. It would actually be in the store, brick and mortar store ah. as well. Yeah, so yeah, so it, 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 it's, it's kind of the best of both worlds. So that, um, so that if, if if you're not if you're not technically savvy, like like for example, um, my mom does doesn't 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 necessarily like to buy stuff online, and 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 with that, she can go and and and, and say, hey, I, I want I want to get this, I want to get this watch. So I don't need to I don't need to pull my information out online. I can go to a physical store and still and still have that experience. Mm-hmm. But, but still face to face, still have interaction, right, and with with another person and in the store at the same time. So I mean, um, when when I was when I was really researching this piece, I I found it very interesting that that a lot of uh, brick and mortar stores are still popping up, and that um, online stores haven't really taken over. Mm-hmm. Um, but 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 what I what I realized was that um, twenty between twenty sixteen and twenty eighteen, it really it really kind of exposed retailers to to focus to focus on online sales and offline sales. And now we're getting to a point where uh, in twenty nineteen, um, they're they're, I mean, they're trying to merge the two. So like um, so they're, so they're trying to have an online experience in an offline setting. Yeah, and it, it, they're really blurring. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They're really blurry. I mean, I think it's called omni-channel, or uh, you know, the physical retail sort of blends with the online, and it's confusing already because you know you walk into an Apple store, and sometimes you're kind of making that online purchase, but you're doing it in a physical store. And the same thing with Tesla as well. Mm. In fact, I think with Tesla now, even if you are in one of their showrooms, like say at Yorkdale Shopping Center, uh, uh, you are still, I think, making that purchase on an iPad online. So. Uh, you know, I guess the online purchase that isn't made in a store is, you know, made at home or wherever a person is. And these days, uh, I think people are shopping more on their mobile phones now than they actually are even on desktop computers, which is interesting. I, I'd be worried about the security aspect of that a little bit, but I believe it's something like 52 yeah. to 53% now. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, that, I think, is really interesting because, I mean, a person's phone can get stolen. And if it's not locked or if you have a password like Kanye West, uh, you know, that's all zeros. Somebody can <laughs> somebody can get into it, right? So I think that uh, you know yeah. it's it's important to have some sort of security there. And on my own personal device, I it would allow me to shop. I guess you would say I can do that on my computer, but I can't do it uh, do it otherwise. Yeah. All right. So my next question is: uh, What insights or expertise do you have on industry trends, and and kind of where do you think it's going? And and. Uh... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's really interesting to watch what's happening in the industry because what we're seeing now is, you know, my goodness, I mean, I could, I could go on for hours. I mean, we're seeing everything from our shopping centers continuing. The best shopping centers continue to perform well. They could yeah. continue to um, see investment from their landlords. And they're starting to enter the, sorry, they're starting to add these entertainment components. So, yeah, like entertainment centers. Uh, Cirque du Soleil is going to be opening at Vaughn Mills in suburban Toronto. 
something big is going to happen at Yorkdale. I can't say yet, but it's really it's be pretty cool. It'll be a first in the world experience center, and uh, uh, you know we're, then we're seeing these food halls coming into shopping centers, and uh, already a new a new market and uh, Square One in Mississauga. Um, they've opened these really interesting food halls and. They're, they're very interesting environments because you go in, they're busy, they're exciting, there's all kinds of different food. And I think that we are seeing food mixing with retail a lot more because people eat more than they buy a pair of shoes, but you're creating a frequency of visit by adding food to retail. So uh, that, that, I mean, those are a few of the really interesting things I'm seeing. And then uh, another, you know, like I mentioned before, the whole polarization of retail. We're seeing very high-end uh, continuing to uh, grow, and then we're seeing the value price grow, and, and the middle isn't growing so much. Hello there. Yes, hi. Hey, we're back. I'm going to have to actually be pretty, pretty fast. Um, I'm being called into a meeting uh, at one o'clock, so hopefully okay, so, okay, so we're on the, okay, 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 we're just, okay, we're just on the very, very last question. Oh, good, okay. And then you can go. Um, okay, so my next question is, uh, what, what does the future hold for the industry? Or, or what do you, or what do you predict, the, where, do you, where do you think the industry is going to go in the next five to ten years? Yeah, I mean, I, I have a few different predictions, but one of them is um, I think that retail uh, spaces, like I think there's still going to be retail spaces out there. I think there'll be fewer of them and perhaps smaller, but uh, I think that they're almost going to become showrooms and product uh, display centers. And, uh, you know, whether or not they carry stock in the store, you're going to be getting your product pretty quickly. So um, I look at, uh, you know, say fashion stores, they're going to become almost like small entertainment centers and you'll walk into a Zara store and... Uh, um, you know, see something that you might like and uh, probably, you know, you'll have your measurements on file and because uh, there is a company that's doing that uh, tech-wise. There's a lot of technological innovation out there. Mm. And uh, you'll know that the garment, you know, might fit perfectly. You could try it on in the store or just do some sort of a scan. Uh, you know, you probably leave the store and you wouldn't have to even pay it a checkout. Uh, maybe that's going to be some of the technology we're seeing with Amazon Go. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think that, uh, you know, the retailer will follow you throughout the experience even afterwards, uh, you, know, you may get text messages, uh, you know, suggest more product. And, um, but I, I do think that, you know, we're going to see a retail uh, spaces become, you know, entertaining and, and those that aren't are going to probably die. And, you know, regarding grocery retail, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we're st I already know there's some uh, beta testing for drone delivery out there for uh, a couple of major retailers. There's one in Western Canada doing that right now. And, mm. um, you know, I think it's going to be a really interesting time because I know some people will still want to pick up their fruits and vegetables, but I think a lot of groceries going to move online. So mm. uh, it's going to be really, really, really disruptive. And then I think we're going to see a lot more international retailers come in. And in the grocery area, um, you know, if Aldi were to come in, it's an efficient grocer out of uh, Germany. Uh, you know, they could obliterate, or at least they would take a significant market share from, say, Loblaws, for example. So yeah. um, it's really a stressful time in retail, and I don't know if people realize that. Uh, I also think we're going to see um, commercial high streets, uh, uh, a lot of fashion retailers close in mm -hmm. major Canadian cities, and I think we will see perhaps more restaurants opening and uh, mm -hmm. more of those sort of showroom experiences. But, um, you know, foot traffic's down in certain neighborhoods, and you know, there's a lot of struggles, and, and the city doesn't seem keen on reducing taxes, so I predict doom and gloom for <laughs> some, some urban street fronts, uh, you know, in, in major Canadian cities, unfortunately, especially Vancouver and Toronto. So yeah. um, Vancouver might get a little bit of relief with the, with the tax uh, break that's being given to businesses, but, but in Toronto, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty worried about a few streets, Queen Street and Blair Street especially right now, and Young Street is clearing out pretty quickly too. Okay. Yeah, that's. I, 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 I mean, that is true. A lot of the experience is going to be is going to be more is going to be more experience based than 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 actual product based. Um, from especially from what you're saying. 
I think I think so. I think it's all going to be about the experience. I mean, people are going on vacations more, or at least you know that's what their focus is. Uh, We've got smart devices, uh, uh, you know, that are taking our money. So you know, people are spending their money a little more carefully on stuff that Mm. isn't technology because our incomes haven't gone up nearly Mm. to the same degree as you know some of the costs that we've incurred, and that includes you know either buying a home or renting it. you know, we're at these record high numbers all across the country, or at least we have been in the last couple of years. And so basically there's all this competition for money and anything that, uh, you know, it takes money at this point is competition to retail because if you have only so much money to spend and, you know, someone is determining, you know, do I buy uh, a suit jacket or do I go on a trip? Uh, you know, people may choose the trip. So, you know, it's, it's really an interesting time. And I think that, you know, retailers are realizing this and are a little bit terrified about the future because, uh, you know, the future could exist without them. So uh, I think the, the thing that retailers are going to have to do is, is create relevance, uh, whether or not that be online or in a store, and uh, hopefully, you know, engage the consumer and uh, uh, give them what they want and, and hopefully turn the profit doing it. Okay. All right, that, all right, that's about it. I just need to know, um, where can we find you on, on Instagram, Facebook, and that type of thing? And um, yeah, yeah, I've got interesting handles. I mean, with uh, Instagram, I've got, well, we've got uh, retail um, underscore insider underscore Canada. Uh, I've got my own personal Instagram. It's not that exciting, but I, I do travel around and post fun stuff that I see. It's uh, Craig underscore Patterson with two T's underscore Toronto. Uh, and then uh, we've got a Facebook retail insider. So Facebook and the retail insider underscore because another company got the uh, <laughs> one without the underscore. And then uh, we're at www.retail-insider.com. All right. Thank you so much, Craig. I'll let you run off to your meeting. All right. <laughs> thank you so much. Best of luck with everything. Yeah, thank you, for, thank you for being on. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Take care. Have a great day. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Hey, bye-bye. Now that about wraps up the Gears and Grinds podcast. I'd personally like to thank Craig Patterson for coming on and sharing his expertise and insight on the podcast. Uh, you can find him on Instagram and social media um, at Craig underscore Patterson underscore Toronto. And also on Instagram at retail underscore insider underscore Canada. You can follow the Gears and Grinds podcast at Dude with the Bull Tattoo. Uh, For more information about my personal life and what's going on with the podcast and the various changes and the various people that I'm going to have on and all that other good stuff. Um, If you could um, leave a like on uh, Instagram and, and let kind of let me know, give kind of give me a review and let me know what's going on and, and tell me if you guys like the episode and, and it would really give me a good idea about where where I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong. All right, happy Mother's Day, guys, and have a fantastic rest of this week. And in the next two weeks, we're gonna be bringing out um, we're gonna be talking more about the electric vehicles and like uh, hybrid vehicles and how that has impacted. Um, the automotive industry. All right.